This is episode number 29 with Danny Flood. Welcome to the Unleash Yourself podcast. My name is Michael Carbone, and in each episode of the podcast, I will be highlighting incredible individuals who are on their way to achieving their dreams by simply unleashing themselves from the fears that once held them back. I want you to get inspired today and realize that if they can do it, so can you. So without further ado, let's dive right into the episode because it's time to get unleashed. I interviewed my friend Danny Flood, who, you know, is an online entrepreneur, also a big traveler. Danny's been through 30 plus countries. He's lived in over a dozen and he literally is the like he's literally a freedom fighter he works for himself he finds ways of doing whatever he needs to do to make it work he's extremely creative he thinks outside of the box and he relies heavily on his ability to be resourceful and he got comfortable being uncomfortable and i think that's something i'm definitely learning more about and you know he thinks outside of the box like i said earlier and he'll find ways of doing things that you know people don't even consider doing you know for example you know he has traveled mexico and thailand and he finds ways of getting free accommodation so he'll go up to um, a hotel for example and offer to trade some work some some, some skills that he has uh, in terms of you know online work so he'll pitch them you know, a brand new website design, he'll pitch them uh, some extra work on their site in exchange for free accommodation. And he's been able to stay at some resorts with private gardens uh, for over a month, you know, for free. So he, like I said, he thinks outside the box and he finds different ways of getting, you know, getting things that we think is not possible. So for those of you out there who think that travel is impossible, you know, it's because you're probably thinking it from, you know, only one perspective of traveling on a big budget and not everyone has that budget. Um, so Danny talks a lot about a, a lot about that. So like I said, uh, really cool timing uh, with this interview. Uh, the fact that you know the new website is live, the fact that it's also a two-year anniversary for me, and the fact that we have Danny Flood, who is a big traveler, a big-time entrepreneur who you know lives every day literally like it's his last. So I'm really really excited for this interview, and I can't wait to share it with you. So without further ado, here is my interview with Danny Flood. Hey guys, what's going on? Michael here as always. Today sitting in with me is my friend Danny Flood. Danny, welcome to the show. Hey Michael, thanks so much for having me. I am at the uh, Shangri-La Hotel today in Thailand, uh, just sitting by the pool. So I apologize if there's any uh, background noise or some vacationers here, but I'm looking forward to chatting with you. Yeah, dude, thanks so much for making the time (laughs) for this. You're in uh, Bangkok right now, right? Yeah, I'm I'm literally just sitting uh, by the river. It's uh, 9 a.m. now. And uh, just looking out at the pool, uh, there's a couple of tourists playing ping pong over to my right and uh, just enjoying life, man. Yeah, and, I, <laughs> and I'm actually not surprised that you're calling me by the pool, uh, you know, because and this is why I'm really, really excited to chat with you, because, you know, just for your bio and your your story and things that you've accomplished, I mean, you've traveled over 30 countries You've lived in over a dozen. You fought as an amateur Muay Thai boxer in Bangkok. You've done tango. You've studied languages. You've crossed half of Southeast Asia on a motorcycle. You've rafted down the Amazon. You've ridden a bicycle across Mexico. You know, you've done so many things. So tell us how this all started. You know, the life that you live today. Where where do you come from? What have you done? And how did you get to this point? Yeah, so it's funny. You know, you mentioned all those things, and I don't even like spend a lot of time looking back on them. 
because um, I, I don't spend a lot of time, you know, looking back on the past and, and previous activities I've done. So I, you kind of like refresh my memory a little bit there. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm always thinking about the next thing, you know, and just trying to, to make sure that what I do next is, you know, more challenging, you know, bigger than what I've done before and just trying to continually push the envelope. And at the moment I have like five or six different uh, business projects, which are probably way too ambitious for me, but I'm, I don't really know, you know, they're far beyond my current capabilities, but I, I, I keep like, I, I like to challenge myself. You know, I feel like without any kind of challenge, um, I just get lethargic. I get listless and I feel like my life has no point, no purpose or direction. So that's, that's kind of really a big part of it. And, um, you know, going back to when I was young, I mean, I've kind of always been this way. Um, had trouble with school, you know, just, just I've got kicked out of like kindergarten when I was young because I just can't sit still. And uh, that was kind of the story. I mean, I, I never had a job for more than a month. You know, I was just completely un- unemployable. And, um, you know, I, I went to the military. I was in the military for a little while uh, when I was like 19, 20. Uh, then I went to an art school. Uh, somehow managed to get through that with an associate's degree. I don't know how. Uh, when I was in college, I had a party promoting business, so I was much more focused on that, uh, promoting clubs and getting paid to party. Um, but after college, you know, then I, I had to figure everything else out. It was like, you know, now I have to, I have to mature. I have to be serious. I have to be an adult. And that really scared me. I didn't want to have to do that. You know, I wanted to be like Peter Pan. I never wanted to grow up. Yeah. So, uh, so I kind of, you know, just kind of been applying things, testing things to see where I could go. And, and um, you know, it, it had a lot of... Uh, Friction, a lot of uh, it was really difficult to get started in the beginning because there weren't a lot of uh, a lot of mentors or role models. There wasn't a uh, default plan, you know, that I could follow, and that's that's really what this lifestyle is all about. It's what being an entrepreneur is all about. Is um, you have to, to test, you have to take chances, and, and see where that takes you. And so I'm I'm much more comfortable at it now because I've kind of learned how it works, how this risk taking works. Um, but but back then it was very scary. And, um, you know, I don't have have to deal with the same fears I did back then, but, uh, you know, now I try to turn that fear into this creative energy, into this drive, you know, to to continue to push the envelope. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And so you're from San Diego, right? Did you ever, after you graduated, did you ever like work in a corporate job or have a cubicle kind of job or did you work straight into like, or do you, you know, after graduation, did you go straight into like entrepreneurship and freelance and all that stuff? No, never. I mean, I had a couple of experiments, I guess, with uh, traditional employment where I think I was like seven, maybe 16, 17. My dad got me a job in a factory. Um, I got I got fired after like one day, though, because uh, I somehow I messed up. A pro- I messed up like this line of products and the guy just pulled me in his office. Like, oh, that's it. I didn't I wasn't even trying to do that. I mean, I, I worked at a resort um, in Guam, but I, I only lasted like four weeks, you know, when I was younger uh, because it just the, it just sucked. You know, they had like like 10 different bosses, um, you know, and they're all just want to tell me what to do. I mean, they would send me back to my room to, to shave. I hated that. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I worked at a publishing office when I was in college, you know, making like $8 and $9 an hour. Um, but you know, nothing too inspiring. I mean, nothing that you feel excited to, to get out, you know, to, to leave the house about. Um, so yeah, I mean, back then when I was younger, I felt like I needed to escape. Uh, you know, as a lot of people do, you know, like numb myself by uh, playing video games or, you know, watching movies or I, fortunately I didn't, I didn't do any drugs or anything. You know, I was lucky, but uh, just, just not feeling excited, not feeling, you know, eager to wake up every day and take on life. 
Yeah. And you actually took action on this. Like you weren't happy. You didn't agree with certain things and you took action to change them. Um, what do you think it was about you in that moment that, you know, like you said, you had a job where your boss was like, go shave. You can't, you know, you can't have like an unshaven face in the office or whatever. Cause I know friends that, you know, have banker jobs or have high level corporate jobs that they actually, they're told this and they go do it and they're unhappy, but they just deal with it. So what is it about you that allowed you to, you know, say, this is not what I want. This is not who I am. Uh, and I'm actually going to do something about it. Well, back at that time, I mean, I, I had to wrestle with this feeling of uncertainty because I was at a period of my life where I was, I was traveling, um, you know, traveling around the world and I, I had no income at that point. Uh, so it was, it was scary. I had to face this beast called the great unknown. And, um, you know, I was at one point where I was like living in the jungle camps in uh, Borneo. Uh, and I, you know, just, I was staying there for free because I didn't have any money left. I was living on like $5 a day. I had all I had, the only cash I had was what was in my pocket. And I had maybe like a hundred dollars. And, and then I saw this opportunity and I took it because, uh, you know, they covered my expenses. They, I, I could live there for free. I could eat at the buffet every day for free. Um, so I, I took this, this job at this resort, um, because, I wanted some certainty, you know, at least, at least for a little while. I mean, I didn't, I didn't want to commit to it for too long, um, but I needed that, like, reassurance. I felt like it was, like, a soft place to land. Uh, but, but after that ended, I mean, I had to go back and embrace that unknown element again. I, I realized that, you know, I don't know what the hell is going to happen, but I'm going to have to, you know, rely on my wits rely on my skills and I'm going to make it work somehow. I think a lot of people who are in a very similar situation or have done similar things, because I mean, on the podcast, I usually bring on people who have very inspiring stories and, you know, they've overcome a lot or, or they put themselves in these situations of where they're facing, like you said, the big unknown and they're not afraid to tackle it or they're not afraid to like trust in themselves and their wit, like you mentioned, to, you know, figure a way out. I mean, they're, they go in, they don't know what's going to happen, but they kind of believe in the back of their mind that they're going to make it work somehow some way um so how did it feel in that moment because no matter who you are no matter what situation you're in you're never fully comfortable in it even though you kind of know that you can navigate um so how did you feel facing that unknown um i felt okay you know because I, at this point i had some experience you know like making my own way um it's it's just a feeling of like being in a foreign country and uh you know being stuck uh you know with no way out that kind of uh I guess it was kind of an irrational fear. It wasn't really defined or anything like that. Um, but, but after that experience, I mean, I went to Taiwan and uh, I found some, some volunteering work where, uh, you know, I could stay there for free at this. And I was helping to build this, uh, this global village. I was doing some volunteer work. Um, and then I hated that work, too, because I was, like, doing this really boring stuff, like raking leaves and chopping uh, weeds out of the field and stuff. So that wasn't for me either. Um, but I, I did have a lot of success, you know, where I, when I traveled and, um, I would do like, when I started traveling, I went to Mexico for more than a month and I, I did like WordPress trades. Like I would help these guest houses or these B and B's, uh, set up a WordPress website for their business. And they would give me a, a bed, you know, place to stay for a, a month or two. Um, so I, I realized that, you know, I need to f focus on what I enjoy. Uh, I need to focus on what I'm good at. I need to leverage that and, and not, um, not try to pursue things that are just, you know, beyond what I know how to do. 
tell us tell us a little more about that. So you were in Mexico. How did you you know go find these opportunities or basically create these own opportunities to get like a place to stay in order to like exchange your skills or your knowledge for that accommodation? Like what was that like, and how did you think of doing that? How did you do it? Was it just like going place to place, or did it just like you know fall into place on its own? Um, you just go out and you create opportunities. You talk to people. I mean, uh, you know that's that's the best thing. I, I went to. When I went to Mexico, I mean, I already had a lot of experience traveling there because I go down there for surfing. I just couldn't imagine living down there, you know, and so I, I did that. Um, but I already knew this lady who, who owned this hostel down in uh, Baja, California, and I reasoned that, you know, if things got too hairy, I could just drive back. You know, if things got ugly with my business activities, I could just drive back, you know. So it was kind of a litmus test in the very beginning. That was back in, like, 2009, I want to say, or maybe 2010, so it was, like, six, seven years ago. Uh, and I've done that. You have know, continued to do deals like that in the Philippines, uh, Thailand, um, you know, Taiwan, obviously. So all over. And, um, you know, if I was going to a place like we were staying at Chiang Mai, I mean, there's so many hostels and guest houses and, and B&Bs. I mean, I wouldn't pay to stay anywhere. I would just stay for free usually. So I could just walk in and just say, you know, look, this is what I can do for you. I can help you. I, I've come in with a good idea of what my own value is. And it's, it's usually very easy. You know, if I go to three different places, I can probably find one easily. That's pretty cool. So you just walk in and you're, you know, like I have these skills and you basically cold pitch the manager or whoever's at the front desk. And, and then, I mean, the conversation just evolves from there kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've actually done this in Chiang Mai. So there's this place, uh, the Gallery 24 Chiang Mai. Um, so I, I did that website for them and I got this really nice place with a beautiful garden. Um, and stayed there while I was in Chiang Mai for free. Did you stay um, like long term, or was that like a, just like a week or something like that? That was about a month, and and I actually kind of prefer doing this because uh, I don't like you know dealing with landlords. I mean, I've done that. I did that in Saigon. I don't like dealing with landlords. I don't like dealing with lease contracts, um, all this stuff. So where I'm staying now, I'm actually house sitting. So I'm 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 taking care of a cat. I've been here for four months. Uh, so that that's been really nice. I got a free place to stay here in Bangkok for for a few months. And um, and don't have to deal with any you know like six month lease or security deposits. I mean, I don't I don't want to deal with all that stuff. For sure, I love I love it because like it's like the true entrepreneur in terms of you know hustle and create opportunities, and you don't seem to follow a rule book as to say like okay, if I want to stay somewhere, I need to find the lease or I need to pay rent or you're like I'm gonna find my own way of making it work based on what I want and what I can do, and you know negotiate a certain deal or be creative about it. So I really really love that about you and. I really love how, you know, your story has evolved from, you know, not liking work in general in terms of like certain jobs or certain contracts that you would have to do to, you know, making your own path. Um, so how does, how has that led you to, you know, what you're doing today with like the open world magazine and the open world podcast? Yeah, sure. So going back to what you said, I mean, it's definitely a different set of rules. Um, you know, people have this, so people in such a con- conventional mode where they think that, you know, if uh, if I have to spend one dollar, I have to earn one dollar. But you know, there there are ways that you can earn one dollar and spend twenty cents, or not spend anything at all. So, I mean, that that I think getting out of that mindset where you know you think people think that they have to make this amount of money, or they have to do this in order to travel, or do this, this, or that. I mean, there's always 
other ways of attacking those problems. How have, how have you discovered that? You know, how, what was the process of you seeing this? Because I mean, for me, it was like a, definitely a huge aha moment where I'm like, look, I could start an online business and make us dollars online and then live in, let's say Thailand, where my money takes me way further than it would if I lived in the U S or if I lived in Canada. So, you know, how did you discover that concept of saying, look, I could make $1, but live on 20 cents. <laughs> I can't live on 20 cents per se, but yeah, um, you know what I mean. Uh, it's it's been a natural evolving process. I mean, I, I've learned this over years of experience. Uh, you know, after I went to Mexico, I went to South America, and I didn't know how to budget or, or anything. You know, I was I was earning money from back home. I had a lifestyle business, but I didn't know how to budget, so I, I didn't know what I could or couldn't do. And when I got to to Thailand after a later trip, booked a one way ticket to Thailand, then I learned how to how to budget. I was using this app called uh, Trail Wallet. And um, I set a budget of, I guess, 900 a baht a day or 1,000 baht a day. So I was still living on about $30 a day at that point. Um, so at least I learned, you know, how to track my money. And then once I learned how to do that, I learned how to, you know, now I could, I could survive on, I mean, I could get by in half that easily on 450 baht or 300 baht a day if I wanted to and, and still live comfortably because I've, I have a lot of experience, you know, traveling and uh, knowing how stuff works, I guess. Yeah, and you you always mention like I learned this through traveling, or I have a lot of experience because of traveling. Um, how can people who you know feel like they're in a rut, or they feel like they're very close-minded about the world? You know, there's only one way of doing things, or there's only one culture or one society. How could they feel more comfortable traveling in order to like broaden their horizons or to get better experiences? Because you know, if you everyone asks, everyone wants to travel, but they all say like I can't afford it, or I have too many responsibilities, I have too many things tying myself down, you know, back home, how could they unleash themselves from all these doubts or fears or, you know, these excuses, if I could say that that would allow them to say, you know what, I could actually travel, like travel is a possibility for me as well. Yeah, I mean, I know that place that uh, you're probably describing because I was there uh, maybe like six, seven years ago, um, where, you know, I, I wanted to have this exciting life, I wanted to do more with my life, but I, I felt like it was not for me. And I, I'll be honest with you, that's a very scary place to be. Uh, I don't have those same fears anymore because I, I guess because I've created a new reality for myself, I've proven to myself that I, well, I really have nothing to prove. So I think part of it is that uh, people feel like they have to prove something. You know, they feel like society is telling them that, uh, you know, they're not good enough, they're not smart enough, they're not connected enough, they're not talented enough, they're not wealthy enough. And I think that you know, the key, key to designing your own life is to create a new story for yourself, you know, to tell yourself a different narrative. And whenever I meet people, whenever I interact with people, I can always get an idea of the kind of narratives that they're telling themselves. Um, but the, the, the surest way to influence that narrative is to simply do things, you know, simply uh, push beyond your level of comfort and uh, create what are called reference experiences, uh, which serve to prop up a different reality. Hmm. Could you explain that a little more? Like, could you give me an example? Yeah, I mean, reference experiences are just, um, you know, situations where you were not feeling confident, but you went forward anyway, and you accomplished something. Uh, so it, it could be like, if you see someone you want to meet, uh, maybe it's a stranger, and you go up and talk to that person, um, you know, and then defaulting to action. So there's a saying that, you know, err on the side of action. So if someone says, you know, like, hey, let's go visit uh, the Grand Canyon next week. Uh, instead of saying, oh, you know, I, I, got, I got stuff to do at home or I, I got, you know, work to catch up on, say, yeah, let's just go. Let's go. You know, just take action. You know, err on the side of action. If someone invites you on a trip, 
um, you know, if you see an opportunity, just take it. And the more opportunities you take, uh, the more opportunities open up to you. And you really have to be in a mindset where you can accept these opportunities as they arrive. So for me, I like to put myself out there. I like to be open to all these opportunities. I like to encounter them with joy. So I, I make sure that I, I, I practice gratitude and I make sure that I'm wherever these opportunities can find me so that uh, I'm ready to accept them. You know, they say that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Um, so once, once you develop enough of these reference experiences, I mean, you don't really have to deal with the same uh, insecurity that, that you lug around, that I used to lug around because I was, you know, stuck back home and just living one kind of life and, and living other people's lives, you know, doing what other people told me I should do. Um, and the more you do that, the more easy it becomes to create your own life, to tackle these fears. I still have fear because... You know, I, at the moment, I have five or six different business projects, which I feel are far beyond my current capabilities. But I like to turn that fear, that doubt, into creative energy, into drive, into doing something. So the key is it's just to do something, execute on what you're capable of doing now, and keep pushing. Yeah, I love that because, you know, even the, the purpose of this podcast and the reason why I love interviewing people like you, especially, you know, when you're, you're mentioning things like this, is because, you know, I like to help people have that sort of reference experience where they're like, oh, I heard this really cool story about this guy named Danny Flood. And then I heard, you know, the week after I hear another cool story about someone else with a similar approach or a similar vision. And then, you know, it's like episode after episode of all these people, you know, saying the same thing and all the listeners back home who might be, you know, unhappy in their job or unhappy in their current lifestyle kind of build this confidence to be like, okay, you know, Michael interviewed one guy, maybe it was just like this lucky experience, or he's just a fortunate things just happened for him. But now it's like, 28 episodes 29 episodes that people are like okay it's not just one person this is like a whole generation of people or a whole different type of person who has a different mentality or a different approach or, or a different vision and it's actually possible i mean look how many people are doing it why can't i do it too so that's kind of what uh, i really love about your sharing this and uh, to add to the quote <laughs> that you mentioned about you know um luck and opportunity there was another quote that i really like um i think it was like bear grills that mentioned that it was something uh, something along the lines of like you know Nothing new ever comes from saying no. Whereas if you say yes, anything could, anything new and different can happen. It'll take you on a completely different path that you never expected to be on. So I love your story and I love your, your vision and your, just the way you look at the world. Cause you're like a real like freedom fighter. You seek adventure everywhere you go and you have this courageous soul that you, no matter what you want to follow your dreams. Right. And I actually heard that you almost literally died a few times chasing those dreams. Um, yeah, I mean, I've had plenty of unfortunate things happen to me, but you know, like I said, I don't, uh, I don't spend a lot of time looking back on the past. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm thinking of like, you know, the next risk, the next challenge I want to take, you know, like, um, I want to, to go to India or to Nepal and, um, you know, maybe just travel by train or, or travel China on a bicycle or something like this, you know, and, and just, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I feel the same fear. I feel the same doubt, uh, but, you know, I know that it's, it's necessary. I need to, to push beyond my, my comfort zone because that's where the growth occurs. Do you ever think that, you know, not looking back or not, you know, refreshing yourself on all the things you've done kind of make you forget all that kind of stuff, that, all the things you've accomplished and you kind of, you know, you're always looking forward. And I know for me, the reason why I ask this question is because I know for me, like, you know, I played NCAA baseball and then after I graduated, I, you know, had this big void in my life. So I'd ran a marathon and then after the marathon, I'm like, okay, now what's next? And then I did Ironman. And then after Ironman, I remember that finish line being like this really weird situation because I'm like I'm at the finish line of an Ironman it's like the hardest day in all of sports and now like 
what's next? You know, it's over. And I kind of feel like I have to sometimes sit back and think of all the things I've, I've done in order to kind of appreciate, you know, where I'm at. Um, so do you ever feel like by not looking back, you're kind of, you're, you know, you're always, you know, running towards the next thing? Um, you know, there are some people that say that you should look back uh, after every year and kind of look at what you've accomplished. And I, I kind of do that. You know, I just I just feel like I don't have time for it, you know, because like uh, two years ago, I mean, writing a book for me was a big deal. You know, I accomplished all these lifestyle goals and I thought, well, what's next? And I wanted to write a book and I had no idea how to write a book. I had no idea how to write. I was such a bad writer that I had to transcribe everything. I recorded everything on my phone. Um, so that was like the big challenge for me. And now I've written six books in the last, well, I've, I've published five books last year in 2015, but 2014, that was a big, scary thing for me to publish one book. So, I mean, I did that. Now I have these other goals that are big, scary things, uh, that I have no idea how I'm going to execute on, but I, I love that challenge. And, um, you know, when I say I'm looking forward, I'm basically looking forward at what I'm going to do today. You know, I'm not looking forward at like five years into the future, 10 years in the future, like buying a home or anything like that. I mean, I'm just, I'm just looking at what I'm going to do today, what I'm going to do next week, and then just do it. You know, and I feel like the more I do it, I don't really need to look back because I'm, I'm constantly affirming things. I'm constantly having these small wins that pile up and create these bigger wins. Yeah. And also now that you're talking about some of the books you've written, I've noticed that all the titles are fairly similar in terms of they all have the word hack. You know, you have a book called like hack sleep, hack your mind, hack email. So why, why the word hack? What does that mean to you? And why, how have you basically built your lifestyle or your current situation around hacking the norm? Yeah, sure. So as you mentioned, my first book was by your own island. And since that I've written four books about hacking. Um, and the reason is because, I mean, the main reason is because I am an achiever, you know, and, and achievers appreciate hacks. However, uh, it's different between men and women. You know, men want hacks, as I found out from my research, and women are more interested in other things. You know, they don't, they don't use the term hacks. So women will of, often be interested in, you know, community, support, um, other things to help them reach their goals, while men uh, want hacks because men want to solve one problem and move on to the next one. You know, they get a sense of high, a sense of satisfaction uh, by solving the things that challenge them. And so, you know, they, they feel this, this satisfaction when they go to bed at night and, um, you know, they've accomplished something. So hacks are really the way to work smarter, not harder, uh, to gain leverage in your life. And to um, so, so the hacks are really a way to, you know, uh, gain the most output for the least amount of effort. It's, it's about using a lever to move the world, basically. And so um, all of my books are hacks because I don't want people to... I feel like 10% of people thrive at any endeavor, while 90% you know struggle, um, get lost in the forest. So an example is like um, like Hack Upwork, a book about freelancing. You know, most people think Upwork is horrible for freelancing because uh, there's there's so many low quality clients. But if you hack it and if you can focus on the cream of the crop clients, I mean, you can make a decent living on that. So another book I've written is Hack Sleep, um, because you know obviously everybody sleeps. Uh, most of us suck at it, and we don't know how to how to influence it. So, um, the reason I focus on hacks is because there's little small things you can do which can dramatically improve your sleep quality, and that's that's what I talk about in the book. 
um, little things that make a big difference. Yeah, and I really love that because I think things like sleep especially are things that we do every single day for a very long duration of time, but we completely ignore it. Like we're like, okay, sleep is just something that comes naturally. I'm not going to focus on improving it, yet it affects our everyday life and everything we do. Um, and I love the, that you do use the word hacks. I think it relates really well with, with everything you do. You kind of find your own way or a quick solution as to you know do things differently and not, like like we mentioned earlier, follow that playbook. Um, and you also mentioned that, you know, you had never written a book and it was something that you struggled with. Um, how did you work towards, you know, not just writing one, two or three, but writing multiple? And how did you improve those skills other than, uh, you know, actually doing it? Because I know a lot of people when I ask them this question, they're like, you become a better writer by writing, right? Um, was that similar to what you did or did you like um, find a different way of, of uh, approaching or attacking the problem? Yeah, sure. So it's kind of instructive to how my general entrepreneurial mindset works in general. And, um, you know, I don't spend a lot of time, you know, like deciding things or contemplating things, I guess. I just put stuff out there. I put a minimal viable product out there and I see how the market reacts to it. Um, So like I'll I'll like to implement things quickly. And I guess it's instructive because uh, when I was about to publish uh, By Your Own Island, my first book, I also started a blog. I started writing about all these different topics about lifestyle design. And um, I would boost my posts on my fan page and I would study the results. Um, And so I noticed that whenever I publish an article about uh, hacks, like a way to uh, hack your physique so that you command respect, for example, um, or a way to hack sleep, um, I would see those results and I would get a disproportionate amount of uh, clicks on the post. And so I thought, well, there must be something here. You know, people want more of this content. So after I posted those blog posts, uh, I decided I was going to write books about these hacks. And I, I had about five different ideas, maybe four different ideas. Um, and I still have a couple of different ideas for other books about hacking things that I want to publish. Um, but it, it was based on the result from the market that I decided to, to focus on a series of hack books. Um, and that, that's really kind of how I approach it is, um, you know, as an entrepreneur, you can't think of like, oh, I have this perfect idea. The best thing is, is you could do, especially for first time entrepreneurs is fail at your perfect idea and realize that it's, it's not what you want. It's, it's what your market wants. And the way that you find out what your market wants is you put stuff out there, um, you know, put stuff out quickly and, and then promote it, you know, see how people respond to it. For sure. And I love, I love that as well, because you're always, you know, asking questions and you're trying to get answers. And a lot of times, a lot of the questions you ask get you answers that you're not expecting or you're not, you know, uh, you're potentially not even hoping for. And not only does that help you adjust and reevaluate, but also puts you in a different direction. Or like you said, it could reaffirm what you initially thought and it can allow you to go full steam forward with it. Um, but before we move, uh, we, we switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about the concept of buy your own island. Like, why did you use that as your title? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, it's covered in an introduction to the book. Uh, it's, it's a story about, um, I mean, it starts out with an anecdote of these, I, I think, like four or five guys um, who discovered this island for sale on Kijiji, which is the Canadian version of Craigslist. And uh, the main guy who, who orchestrated this deal, Tynan, um, he emailed a few friends. The, the island was up for sale for less than $100,000. Um, and together with his friend, they, they Together with his friends, they pitched in on this deal. They bought this island. And on his blog, he writes that it was the ultimate symbol of independence and freedom and that he was really amazed how these huge lifelong dreams uh, can be made achievable and made to happen within a matter of weeks. And I thought that was perfect. You know, that that kind of summarizes everything I want to express in this book because 
the book is really big. I mean, it's, it's more than 300 pages, um, but it's, it's kind of my plan that I used. And I, I have a bunch of case studies, maybe like eight or nine other people that, uh, case studies of other people that they have used in their plans uh, for making their huge lifelong dreams uh, achievable and practical. And so I'm, I'm really kind of, you know, upfront and, and, you know, really uh, kind of spill out everything that, that I encountered in my journey and how I made this happen for myself. And uh, By Your Own Island is just kind of like uh, an ideal, you know, it's a metaphor so that, you know, whatever your island is that, you know, you can make it happen for a lot less than you think and a lot sooner than you think. Yeah, and I find this relates really well with an interview I did a couple of weeks ago with uh, with Johnny FD, who's also in Chiang Mai, um, who he spoke about, you know, the gold watch. And that was his symbol of, you know, retirement. And um, when he was able to hit certain goals that he had, he bought himself this gold watch where, you know, a couple of years ago, he expected to work for one company for, let's say, 25 years before they award you this gold watch or whatever when you retire and he's like i'm gonna spin that around and i'm gonna retire on my own when i'm ready with all these goals and i'm gonna buy myself that gold watch as that symbol so i find that relates really really well with that as well um and you mentioned having like six different projects going forward for this year so it's going to be a really big year for you would you mind sharing any of those uh projects with us <laughs> um perhaps i can i can share a couple of them okay That's cool. <laughs> I'll, I'll settle for that <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I have, well, one, I just completed this crowdfunding campaign, you know, that was my first time ever doing crowdfunding campaign, so I just completed this Indiegogo campaign, which is uh, to, to launch this app, and, and now I'm launching a digital magazine, um, which is a totally new territory for me, um, I have to learn all these new things, you know, I have to learn how to market this thing through iTunes, um, how to market through Instagram, all these things I don't know how to do. Um, and basically how to publish this, this different format because it's all interactive. Um, so I'm, I'm really trying to figure that out. I, I kind of feel like I'm a beginner, a beginner, you know, like a kindergartner going to school for the first day, you know, because I have to learn all this all over again, uh, learn all this new stuff all over again. So um, that's, that's one thing. That's Open World Magazine. Um, and then I have a, a new book that I want to launch, which kind of has all these loose ideas that, I've, that are com- completely novel that no one's really written about before. But I have no idea how to organize and structure them into a book or develop these ideas. So that's one thing I'm doing. I have an idea to do a daily podcast, uh, which kind of overwhelms me a little bit. <laughs> um, and then I have, you know, other things like I do a PR service. Um, but a lot of my clients, you know, they want to be on like big outlets like Forbes, um, you know, Business Insider. So I'm, I'm really trying to take that to the next level. And uh, as far as the other one, other things I'm trying to do, like I have this app for entrepreneurship, uh, something that, that can teach entrepreneurial skills uh, and kind of gamify it, uh, you know, because there's, there's not a lot of that, you know, that exists already. And then I have an idea for a physical product, which uh, has never been done before. Um, but, you know, like, I, again, I'm just, I'm trying to do one thing at a time and just, I focus on, you know, the first two things that I can accomplish maybe this month or the next two months. And then I move on to the next thing. I think it's really important for entrepreneurs to to be focused and not spread themselves too thin. Um, but then at the same time, it's it's good to have these dreams, you know, for things that you feel can can really change the world because that really uh, fires you up to to work in the morning. You have a really like disruptive view on things, which I love because you're always like throwing yourselves into these situations, like you mentioned, that you have no clue about, and you're like, I have to learn all this stuff again. And that's one of the things that I love about entrepreneurship as well is like, I'll you'll have all these ideas of like, oh, I want to do that, but I have no clue how. 
But because you've done this before in terms of saying, like, I don't know how to podcast, but I'm going to start a podcast or I don't know how to design an app or develop an app or start an online or a digital magazine, but I'm going to figure it out. And because you've done similar things in the past, you kind of have this confidence to be like, yeah, you know, I'll learn it. Um, and I think I think it's this really cool sense of confidence that you have um, that makes you really unique. And I think it really gives off this really positive energy, which I love as well. Um, and I want to ask you, I want to ask you, like, do you have like a work life balance or do you really like is your life right now your business uh and your travel and all that stuff no i think balance is kind of a joke um and i don't think it's something that you should try to strive for um or something that you should really focus on because it, it kind of encourages you to go uh 50 miles an hour at work and you know 50 miles an hour at your social life and kind of balance it out yeah uh, when i want to go you know 200 miles 250 miles an hour at work and uh, you know, if I'm going to do have a social life or a travel life, I mean, I'm going to go balls to the wall. I want to go all out. I want to go all in. Um, so I do have balance, I guess, but I don't really focus on balance. I just focus on showing up and and making the most of every day, whatever it is I'm doing. Um, you know, I'm I'm traveling on Sunday, so I'm going to be you know traveling for two weeks. I'm going to visit uh, the rainforest, and I'm going to make the most out of that experience. But when I'm working, I'm going to make the most out of that. So. Um, I think the, the concept of balance is kind of a really bad idea to tell people because it kind of shows them, tells them, to, oh, you know, settle down, take it easy. And, you know, I want to show up every moment and live every moment. So, you know, that's, that's the kind of, it's not really balance I'm striving for. It's, it's kind of uh, getting the most out of life and every day that I'm striving for. So one thing I wanted to add, too, is, um, you know, there's actually a framework for this uh, type of behavior, and it's called the Kanifin framework. That's C-Y-N. E-F-I-N, and um, what it does is it divides work into four different quadrants. So you have the simple, obvious work, uh, you have complicated work, you have chaotic, and you have, excuse me, you have complex, and then you have chaotic work. And the obvious work, you know, the simple work is this really road activity like um, driving a bus or you know, working on a farm. Then you have complicated work, which is more like white-collar type of work, uh, like, like being a dentist. Maybe like, um, uh, yeah, something like that. Maybe a massage therapist, uh, something like this. You have complex work, which is more novel, uh, emerging. Uh, and then you have chaotic work, which there's really no training or no course that can prepare you for that. And the lesson here is that entrepreneurs, the people who are the creators, the ones who are innovating and driving humanity forward, they tend to spend a lot of their time in this chaotic realm where there is no, um, there is no default plan or blueprint into how to do what they want to do. So what they do is they act in spite of the disorder in order to develop new ways of doing things and to develop new ways to survive. And, you know, if, if you really want to be someone who, who pushes things, who um, is forward thinking, who's innovative and inventor, someone who's, who's creating opportunities, uh, you need to learn how you can leverage what you're doing now and expand into that chaotic realm of work. And, um, you know, it, it will be scary at times, but, you know, it's, it helps to create that state of flow where, um, you know, you have a challenge and then you can tackle it, you can break it down. And the more you do it, the more confident you'll become uh, and the further you'll go, I think.
Yeah, and you kind of do this like on a day-to-day basis to be like, okay, today I'm going to like go all in on this and then for the, or this week I'm going to go all in on this and then next week I'm going to go all, all in on that. And then maybe at the end of the month or at the end of the year, you've done like 10 different things and it looks like you've had this great balance, but like on a day-to-day basis, it's like this obsessive, you know, interest <laughs> in one thing. And I, I really relate to that because I'm very, very the same uh, when it comes to that. Like there's really, when, when I'm interested in something, there's really nothing that could take me off it. And, you know, you work like 12 plus hours, 16 hours sometimes when you're like in that crazy like uh, attention mode and you're doing great work and then in other times when you're like look I'm not interested in this right now I want to travel and I want to go somewhere else and just hang by a waterfall for three four days and I'm just going to obsess over that waterfall per se you know so uh, I love it dude where can people go back to follow you because I know a lot of people are probably loving what what you have to say and they definitely want to probably check out your your podcast and your digital magazine so where can I send everyone to to follow you online see what you're up to and follow to see what you're going to do this year yeah, sure. So if you're interested in, um, you know, topics about unconventional lifestyle, uh, digital nomadism, location independent entrepreneurship, then uh, go check out uh, openworldmag.com. That's my blog. I have a lot of podcasts on there. Uh, if you want to get the audiobook of my uh, first book for free, Buy Your Own Island, uh, you can do that for, you can do that at buyyourownisland.com forward slash audio dash book. Uh, there's a landing page, and uh, once you enter your email, you can get the audiobook for free. Really cool. Sweet. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, guys, I'm going to link this all back at my website so you can find all the links in one place to get the, the free audiobook from Danny. Check out his podcast. Check out his digital magazine. And you can find that back at michaelcarbone.ca slash 029. So, again, make sure you go there. Check out the show notes. Check out some of the really cool quotes that I've pulled because Danny has said a million of them. Um, get all the links. Make sure you go there and click back to his site. Go get that audiobook. This is something that I'm definitely going to go do right now. So, Danny, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you taking the time. I hope you enjoyed the conversation by the pool, and I hope you enjoy your your weekend away. Yeah, thank you, Michael. I hope that uh, you enjoyed the conversation as well and um, that everyone listening to it got something out of it. Uh, You know, as far as takeaways, I would just say, you know, identify what risks you can take now and just uh, act on those and realize that um, that uncertainty that that doubt, it's always going to exist. So uh, learn, you can either learn to live with it, you can make friends with it, and um, turn it into created energy, you know, to create it into, uh, make it fun, make it a challenge that uh, you can prove yourself anew every single day and uh, just do it. Yeah, and to to, re, to reiterate something you said previously, I think I saw this on your website, it says step out of your comfort, comfort zone, do something new, and see how refreshing it feels. So guys, make sure you take action on that. Uh, if you're inspired by this conversation, don't just feel inspired and sit on it because that's slowly going to evaporate. Take action on it. Step out of your comfort zone, like Danny said. Do something new and see how refreshing it feels. And then feel free to report back to me or report back to Danny. Send him an email and let him know how it felt. So, Danny, thank you so much once again for being here. This was awesome. You're welcome back on the show at any time. Thanks, man. Great to connect with you. Take care. And there you have it, guys. That's my interview with Danny Flood. And if you enjoyed this episode and you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, make sure you subscribe so that you don't ever miss another episode. So if you're listening to this on my website over at michaelcarbone.ca, make sure you scroll down right below the audio player and click subscribe on iTunes. 
And if you're listening to this on a smartphone, you can open up your browser right now. This episode won't stop playing. Type in michaelcarbone.ca slash subscribe. Again, that's michaelcarbone.ca slash subscribe. And that'll bring you right into the podcasts app on iTunes. And you can subscribe right there. So again, thank you guys so much for your support. My name is Michael Carbone, and I'll see you next time.